And during that road trip, I was so available to these people. And I'm like, oh, this is the joys of being able to work independently, self-employed and be on vacation. You can still answer. Well, I was, I think, way too available for these clients. And they kind of used and abused my time. And then when all was said and done, they put the offering on the house. And I knew it was accepted because it was like a referral from a realtor mm-hmm. partner. And when I finally said to her, like, what happened? She said that the client actually went into Scotiabank with the deal I offered them. And Scotiabank was able to offer something far better. So the clients didn't even tell me. And then when they finally told me, they said, like, I hope you can understand it's just business. And that line really stuck with me. And I'm like, I realized that it's business for me too. And I have to be more reasonable with my time. I need to schedule meetings. I can't just be available 24-7 for clients who aren't necessarily serious about working with me. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Welcome to another Rookie Mortgage Broker podcast. And this is with Bethany Gradwell. Bethany is a mortgage broker who's just been in the business since March of 2022. She has done 15 mortgages in that time, which is outstanding. And in this conversation, we dive into how did she find those 15 clients, you know, strategies that she's used, what worked, what didn't. And she's definitely a go-getter and is going to continue to grow. I have no doubt about it. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation with Bethany. Also, in this Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about the value of community. Before we jump into that, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application, document collection, submission platform. Very easy to use for borrowers. It's got some intelligent features like as they're filling out the app, it's determining what documents they need. A second, when that application comes in, you can go search all of the lender rates and guidelines and lender spotlight. And finally, when you go to hit submit, it actually has smart submission notes. So it's pulling the key data from the application into your notes so that it makes it easy for your underwriter. If you make it easy for them, you're going to get more yeses. Check them out at lendescom slash Finmo. Hey, Bethany, welcome to the show. Hi, Scott. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. So uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and where you're from. So I was born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario. And then about two years ago, my husband and I really wanted to buy a house. And the Hamilton housing market was insane. Well, still is. So um, we started looking in Brantford, Ontario to purchase. So we've been here for just over two years now. Right. And so what prompted you to get into the mortgage business? So actually buying a house is kind of what sparked my interest in the mortgage business. I worked with a mortgage agent and I really enjoyed that experience, but I have been a nurse for seven years. So I was a little bit nervous to leave a job where, you know, you get a pension. It's pretty much guaranteed. You do have funny, not the best hours, but you will always have work as a nurse. Yeah, exactly. And you get a pension and benefits and all that. So I kept telling my husband it was something I wanted to do, but I'm like, realistically, I've spent so much time, money, energy into schooling and nursing. I'm not going to leave the profession. But then just working through COVID burnt me out. And then I became a mom as well during COVID. And I just realized that the shift work and the holidays, evenings and weekends just wasn't something for me. So I decided that I was going to just do mortgages part time. And so I got in contact with Monica Chrysler. That's my lead planner. Is she the person who did your mortgage? No, but it was actually someone on her team who did my mortgage. Okay. So I, I contacted my mortgage agent to ask questions. And I had been doing that for a few years, bouncing questions off her. And then finally, I reached out to Monica and I 
just said, this is something I want to do part-time, maybe so I can cut back at working at the hospital, drop down to casual, be around more often for my family. And she kind of encouraged me that, I mean, you can go into it part-time, but she says she generally encourages people to jump in with both feet. So yeah, I decided during my maternity leave, that was the best time. I figured I would just build up my network during that time. I was getting paid to be off. So I was like, we'll just build the network. And that's what I did. And then I, to my surprise, started closing mortgages. So you're like, okay, so you told me before you started in March of this year. Yeah, well, my license officially, I passed the exam the 2nd of January. And by the time my license was processed, it took a little bit of time at the beginning of the year. It was, I think, the last day of February. Okay, so February got licensed. And so then, and then if you don't mind me asking, how many mortgages have you funded so far since you got licensed in February? Yeah, so since February, I just funded my 15th mortgage. That's outstanding. And what is the total volume of that? I don't know what your average just, mortgage size is. Just over 7 million. Right. That's fantastic. My goal so, in the 12 months is 10. So I have a couple more months to get there, hopefully. Right. Now, hopefully, yeah. And then where did that business come from? So if you were to break down the 15 mortgages, because I think this is useful for people listening. Like, where do you think the business came from? So a few of them were family members who both purchased and wanted to refinance during the time, do some equity takeout. So I have quite a few from there. And then I would say the rest of my business just came from referral partners in terms of realtor referrals. I just started working with financial advisor, but I haven't gotten referrals that way yet. But yeah, realtor referrals and then through social media as well. Right. Okay. So, and what has worked well on your social media stuff that you found that people have been resonating with? I'm curious. I just think the biggest thing is consistency. So I try and ensure that I post at least three times a week. You'll be surprised when you post on social media. Instagram is my big one. So I'll post to Instagram and then it sends it to my Facebook. I find I keep my Facebook more for family stuff, but you will see the odd ad pop up. But mm-hmm. you'll find with social media that people might not even like or comment, but they're seeing it because I've had quite a few people that I haven't talked to in years who have messaged me to say, I just noticed you became a mortgage agent. I need help with my mortgage. Can you help me out? Right. So definitely That's consistency. Awesome. Yeah. And then what kind of stuff are you posting? What are you finding that's working? Do you have a plan or is it just kind of like, hey, I feel like posting this today or like, yeah, curious. I have a subscription to this. It's called Curated Social. So yeah. it actually gives a lot of realtor and lending graphics. A lot of times, like I don't like them. So sometimes I'll get ideas from there and turn them into my own. Just because some of the language is American and things like that. I do that. And then I always ask every time I have a client close a mortgage with me. I will send them my Google review document at the end, asking Mm -hmm. for a review. And then I try and post all of those. I call it Testimonial Tuesday. So you'll notice on Tuesdays, I'll pop up a client testimonial as well. Right. Your Google document, what does explain that to me? Or sorry, my Google review. So I send them just like my business review page. um, And then they just say, yeah, sorry. Of the 15 mortgages you funded, how many people have given you a review? I have right there on my page seven, but I should have 10, which I'm actually disputing with Google right now. Because well, yeah, they, they are, sometimes like, hey, this looks fake or something. And then they're kind of yeah, funny that way. They have, yeah, it's so annoying. Three people have said they've sent me them and they've actually like sent proof they sent them, but they're not there. So I should have 10 of 15. And of those 15, two people like were the same because we did a refinance and a purchase. So technically right. it'd be 13 individual. Right, 13 individuals. So that's pretty, yeah. so seven out of 13, that's a good... Uh, 53%, basically 54%. Yeah. Okay, so tell me about, you said you've got business from realtors. What worked for you working with realtors? What was useful? 
So the first realtor I started working with is actually my brother-in-law. So that was super helpful because as much as I understood the mortgage side of it, I had no idea what went on the realtor side. So I was able to really like pick his brain and ask him a lot of questions so that when I went into other realtor meetings, like I looked like I actually kind of knew what I was talking about. Yeah, so about. you got a little bit of co- you got a little bit of inside intel yeah. from your brother-in-law. Okay, this is good though. So what is something he told you that you were may not have realized until he told you this? I think like a lot of times I assumed because when I bought my house, I knew the mortgage agent personally and the realtor personally. So they really communicated with each other. But I found out quickly that a lot of times it's not a direct referral. They might not communicate a lot. So I was like, doesn't every client that comes to you have a pre-approval? And I quickly found out absolutely they do not. And oftentimes they mm-hmm. want to put a condition of financing and the realtor has even no idea if they can even afford it. So I think that right. was my biggest thing, being in connection with the realtor throughout the process, because I think that's something that they really enjoy. And that's right. missing a lot. Right. I actually did the math wrong. If you got 10 out of 13, your review numbers are higher. I said 7 out of 13. If there's three, they actually reviewed you. But so I apologize to my listeners. Like, hey, you, 77%. It's an excellent number. Okay, that's really good. So your brother-in-law helped, gave you some advice. And then so tell me what the next kind of conversation how did that go and what do you think so the next one that came to me was a girl who I went to high school with same thing we actually hadn't really known each other in high school but she saw my social media posts and she contacted me to say she had just become a realtor and wanted to know if I could send her my card that they could put it in their book so then we just started connecting that way she ended up buying a house the experience went really well so now she refers clients to me um Mm -hmm. and then the other ways I generally send a message on Instagram. So I follow realtors on Instagram. I generally send them a message, introduce myself, explain how I found them so they don't think I'm just some like creep that's stalking everyone's Instagram page. And then yeah. if they live close, I will ask to set up a coffee meeting to talk with them. And then if not, then we will have a phone or a Zoom call. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So was there any point you like questioned if this was the right career for you? I mean, you've gone pretty quick, pretty fast, but is there any point you're like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Honestly, no, I feel really, I mean, it's definitely different not having consistency in terms of paycheck and things like that, but it's been just so great being able to be home with my daughter and just be flexible in my work. So no, I don't regret it at all. And I haven't really had okay. one of those moments. You were off your other job. So you were able to, other than taking care of your kids, you're able to give it full-time attention. It's not like you had to work nursing and more. Exactly. Yeah. So are you going to go back to nursing or is that ship sailed now? Yeah. So that ship sailed now. I, um, I'm going to keep my nursing license because I mean, I've worked so hard to keep that. And I think maybe one day I might work casual in like a doctor's office or something. But as of right now, it's just not an industry I really want to be part of. It's tough right now there. So. Right, right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And hey, like, it's cool that you're able to like transition into something that is way more family oriented than, yeah. although it still can be crazy. I mean, you can be no end to the amount of hours you can put in so well I've um, even started noticing that I'm gonna have to start hiring someone because I was doing a lot of work based on her nap schedule but now mm -hmm. that she's getting older naps aren't as long and as frequent so it's definitely a job you can work more so around your family than shift work but you do quickly realize that yeah it does for sure okay yeah so can you share a file that you lost and now looking back you'd be like oh i'd handle that different not because i want you to relive the pain but i like other people to be able to (laughs) hear like because we do learn more from the losses than we do the wins i feel like so can you share something that you do different 
Yeah. So I got a referral from a realtor partner for this client. They wanted to put an offer in on a home. They had a current mortgage with Scotiabank and that's actually one of my favorite lenders. And so I was like, great. I got them a pre-approval all set up. They were going to go in and put in an offer on a home. And so I actually don't know if I could have gotten this well when all of a sudden done, but this is a lesson I taught myself. So for my fifth wedding anniversary, my husband, my daughter and I, we actually took a road trip from Ontario to PEI. And during that road trip, I was so available to these people. And I'm like, oh, this is the joy of being able to work independently, self-employed and be on vacation. You can still answer. Well, I was, I think, way too available for these clients. And they kind of used and abused my time. And then when all was said and done, they put the offer in on the house. And I knew it was accepted because it was like a referral from a realtor Mm -hmm. partner. And when I finally said to her, like, what happened? She said that the client actually went into Scotiabank with the deal I offered them. And Scotiabank was able to offer something far better. So the clients didn't even tell me. And then when they finally told me, they said, like, I hope you can understand it's just business. And that line really stuck with me. And I'm like, I realized that it's business for me too. And I have to be more reasonable with my time. I need to schedule meetings. I can't just to be available 24-7 for clients who aren't necessarily serious about working with me. Right. So I don't know That's, if I could have gotten that back because... But you could have got back the time and the headspace that you wasted yeah. if they weren't really serious. Because you're right. Often when I see, unfortunately, people like in the Facebook group, whatever, they're going, oh my gosh, I lost this file. But it's like you actually lost it on the first call, unfortunately, because you let yeah. the client like run amok and they were never committed. You never got a commitment. And so... It's terrible, but it is better to learn it early. And then I like how you've thought about that. Like, it's also a business for me. Like, you know, you could be hurt, offended, whatever, by that statement. Or you could just say, hey, wait a second. I got to actually think about this different. So um, good on you. That's a great. uh, And you may, you're right. You may not have been able to keep that phone no matter what. But you also could have spent five minutes on a phone with them and said, see ya. Like, because, you know, there's very key indicators where somebody's has zero inclination to actually use you or you know that they're going to just shop you. Yeah, and they um, definitely were very rate, like, and I try and explain to people, it's not about rates, it's about the product overall. And I think acknowledging that from the beginning, that these clients are very rate sensitive, it's a tough sell. If a bank can offer them significantly better than what I can. Yeah, what are you going to do? All right, so I'm going to ask some rapid fire questions now, if you like. So what's one thing people can't find out about you from Google? So this is funny to admit, back in high school, I was a huge Justin Bieber fan. And I actually called into a radio station. He was going to be on it. And I called in to ask a question. And when they said my name, I cried so hard that he was answering my question on the radio that I didn't even hear his answer. And to this day, my brother, he was in the room when it happened and he still makes fun of me. And I still don't. Did he record it? (laughs) No, he didn't record it. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. He said, you didn't even get to hear what his answer to your question was that's hilarious so, i mean i still love justin bieber but just not to that extent <laughs> my daughter she's 17 and she's taylor swift like oh my gosh i think yeah. she would kill her siblings for taylor swift yeah yeah i'm like great uh so i got her tickets to a concert in nashville with her mom so she's pretty good side note she sold 2.4 million tickets in like 24 hours i know and, and she's really disappointed right now with Ticketmaster because of yeah. the issues it caused but then now they're all being resold for way more money. Like, and yeah, so it seems kind of scammy, honestly. It's like, I don't know, but yeah, you know, it's kind of like she sold out 54 like football stadiums in like a day, which is just, yeah, she's got something going on there. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So what's a movie everybody should watch at least once. 
Sweeney Todd. Have you ever seen it? The musical with Johnny Depp? Yeah, yeah. It's really good, actually. I've seen a play of it, too. Yeah. He's a barber. Why that movie? He's like a murderer, isn't he? Yeah. But, you know, it's good, like, black humor. Um, It's murder, but, like, the blood is ketchup. Like, it's very... It's just so humorous. And I love Johnny Depp and him and Helena Bonham Carter, how they work together in that movie. They're great. And I've never met anyone who's watched it, who doesn't sing along. Like, it's just, it's so good. Yeah. I saw that, a play of that. And I was like, this is really like dark and. Yeah. But hilarious at the same time. Yeah. What's three software programs or tools you can't run your business without? So for sure, social media. So Instagram, my biggest one. Two would actually be podcasts. I listen to so many of them, mainly yours. And I've started listening to the Lead to Close podcast. And they've been really, really helpful with giving me tips and tricks. And then the third would be, I just recently started using Finmo. And wow, it's a life changer. And I can't believe how much time I've spent on messaging people for docs and how simple it is in there with the smart doc. Yeah. So are you finding people are actually sending you the docs through the platform? Yeah, like I just started using it. So I haven't had it like a ton of experience. But from what I have seen, yeah, I have. So yeah. And they did some studies. Apparently, most of the time when people are filling up their mortgage application, they have a lot of their documents in front of them because they don't know the answers. And so if yeah. you just make it easy for them to send them to you, like, oh, okay, done. Like they gather them all out, they fill up the app, and then later on you get back to them. And then they're obviously spending the time on the app. Let them continue the same Well, that's what right? I find. You'll have the discovery call and you'll get all their information. And by the time you've sent them an email, even if it's two hours later, they're away from their computer. And then it's yeah. another couple of days before they get everything to you. So yeah, I really love Finmo so far. What's the best advice you received as a new mortgage broker? So my lead cleaner, Monica, always tells me that we're not order takers. We don't work at McDonald's. We are advisors. And that's been really helpful in terms of especially combating rate discussions with people who are really sensitive to that, trying to explain to them that it's not always as simple as just finding you the best rate. We want to find you the best product overall for you. So I think that was my biggest advice. And also um, just starting full-time as quickly as you right. can. Yeah, if you can get into full-time quicker, but don't do it too soon, but as soon as you possibly can, but not too yeah. soon. Not just so yeah. soon that you're going to screw your whole financial situation up, but yeah. as soon as it makes sense. And I mean, in your case, you probably have run, you know, mat leave anyway. So, you know, it yeah. gave you a great opportunity. So knowing what you know now, is really you do differently if you were to start over again tomorrow? I would pick up the phone more. I definitely sent a lot of text messages to people at the beginning because I wasn't super comfortable talking on the phone. Now that I'm better, I think I would definitely have said to myself, pick up the phone, don't hide behind a screen because you're nervous, build connections with people that way. Right. So this is a pretty common thing that I've seen uh, with people when they're new is they won't pick up the phone or they don't let people know that they're a mortgage broker. And then six months later, one of their friends that, or some family member goes, I didn't know you were doing that. Something that you could have <laughs> easily, and then you're like, shoot, I lost them. Has that happened to you at all? No, I literally announced I was a okay. mortgage broker within an hour of finding out I was licensed. <laughs> okay, good. So, okay, sometimes I've had people go, they haven't told everyone, and then somebody runs into them and say, oh, that's awesome. Sorry, I just redid my mortgage a month ago. I didn't even know you were doing this. And so that's, uh, you know, yeah. uh, that's just because you didn't tell people. So tell people if you're listening to this, tell them all, you know. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and then they'll figure it out. So where can people find you online if they're looking to find you? So my Instagram is mom, so M-O-M, like I'm a mom, you mental mortgages, little fan words, which I should have probably thought through because whenever I'm trying to say that over the phone, 
everyone thinks it's monumental, but it's mom, M-O-M, Umental Mortgages. And that's my Instagram page. Mom, you mental? Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for coming to chat with me, Bethany. This has been awesome. Congrats on your success. And sounds like you're kicking butt and taking names. And it'll be interesting to see what you do in the next year. You know, now that you're in this with both feet. And um, yeah, that's awesome. So keep crushing it. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Hopefully got a couple of takeaways from my conversation with Bethany. In this next segment, I talk to Tom Hall from Blue Mortgage about the value of community. Hey, Tom, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be back. So, hey, what topic do you got for us today? Yeah, so we're chatting a bit about it just before, but basically this idea of just kind of the value of community. And maybe I'll tell a little bit of a story just to kind of why I wanted to talk about this is that Basically, we were working with some people, of course, with Blue, and it was a group of five ladies, and they were all signed up for Blue at the same time. They coordinated it with themselves, and we were kind of able to lean in. And since they were all starting at the same time, they were kind of going through the same things. And we said, hey, instead of doing, you know, one-on-one-on-one-on-one, on one on one on one, these types of trainings, we said, hey, why don't we do some sort of group-based learning? some sort of group-based thing there. And it was just extremely successful. So I kind of wanted to share that as a kind of a cool story, how you know this group of ladies decided to do this and how it turned out on our end, which was just very successful and kind of talking through you know some of those reasons why I thought it was so successful. And you guys, this is not the first time this has happened. So you were chatting me before, this is something that has happened in the past. And so why don't you walk me through sort of what you've seen as the benefits of this? I call it like, you know, I've been in the training business for a while and we put people into cohorts, which is usually five people. Kind of right, enough. And it's actually yeah, the, optimum, yeah. it's the optimum size I've found for doing this small group. It's not huh. too big, not too small. Right. Uh, but there's a lot of benefits to this cohort-based, either onboarding or cohort-based training, at least right. I've found. So why don't you walk through some of the things you've noticed and I can compare it to what I've noticed in the training and coaching business. Yeah. So to your point, yeah, it's funny. This is just one that's very recently, but there's maybe been half a dozen to a dozen times. It's not super common, but it seems, you know, like a common enough thing that there's something here. And so, you know, first and foremost, I think what it does is it kind of, you know, comparing it to a one-on-one training, I think it takes kind of that intimidation factor out of it, right? If you're jumping on with someone like myself, who's used Blue Mortgage for years and years and years and years, and you're coming in using it for the first time, you know, it can be intimidating to just try and, you know, ask those questions that are relevant questions. You know, you can say all you want, there's no dumb questions, but there's also, I think, always that intimidation that people feel. So when you can kind of do it in that group setting, it actually alleviates a lot of that and allows you to kind of more or less outnumber the trainer and say, hey, do you know what? This is really kind of a concern. And I think we do need to bring it up and we do need to discuss it. So it really kind of empowers you to make sure that, hey, these questions that you're asking are actually good questions and they're worthwhile to have a discussion on. Yeah. So as I said, when I've done training, I've done one-on-one, I've done, you know, group, I've done 15, I've done live, I've done virtual. And I have found my favorite size is five people. And right. I don't know why we've experimented. <laughs> and what I like yeah. is that sometimes people will ask a question you don't think to ask. And so oh, yeah. because you all see, so then you're like, dang, yeah. I'm glad they asked that question. So yeah. you're like, yeah. you're sitting there going, I don't have, you, you'll say to this person, or, you know, I would say to them, if I'm in a coaching scenario, do you have any questions? No. And then someone else brings up a question and the other people are like, oh, I'm so glad. Like, and that leads to sometimes other questions because yeah. it kind of primes the pump. So you're having five brains. So almost like brainstorm 
if you will, in a direction. And I found that has been extremely valuable. So I can imagine in this onboarding experience, if you're doing, you know, five people are onboarding, even the users get benefit from each other, not just from the so-called expert oh, yeah. on the scenario. Okay. So that's the first thing. What, yeah. what else do you notice about doing this community or cohort based? Yeah. So of course there's kind of that benefit of, okay, when you're on that call or you're doing that training, kind of that root mentality, that group thinking, that's really great, but even kind of taking yourself away in a group of five, let's say, there's going to be different people with different skills. And so, of course, what that allows for is people kind of lending their different skills or things that they're good at to kind of make the whole group better, of course. And I think that's, of course, great for the person learning, kind of getting that instruction. But also, funnily enough, I find that actually teaching is one of the best ways to learn. So for that person who maybe has a bit more competency in a certain area, decides to go over and help you know, their person in their cohort, that actually really helps both of their learning. That helps between the two of them. They're both much better and they're much smarter on the system by being able to kind of help each other. Right. And I've noticed the same thing too in the training side when we have, you know, do this cohort based is that we'll give our best ideas to our clients and then they'll come back. And sometimes the improvements, I'm like, dang, that's a good, like I'm really, I'm taking <laughs> notes. I yeah, give yeah. them my best stuff. They come back with something that I'm like, I didn't see that. That is like, how did I miss this? And then now everybody benefits from that instead of just one person benefiting or even them just doing it. So let's imagine I teach you something, you go make a little tweak and it really improves. Well, you know about that improvement, but nobody else does. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's just a lucky accident coming <laughs> back into that cohort yeah. and then sharing or that community sharing goes, oh, and so that's one of the multiplication effects that happen in cohort-based training or in community-based onboarding. And then to your second point is when you teach, you learn twice. So I've actually got to yeah. take the time to show you something it helps me understand it better. So if I'm learning a new tool and I'm a little bit further ahead and I'm kind of helping someone else, I'm going to get more comfortable with the tool. I'm going to get better at totally. And so I think it's genius. I mean, this is somebody that came and asked, but I honestly think you guys should be experiment with this as a say, hey, look, we've got two scenarios. We could do this cohort based and here's the benefits that da, 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 we have found and then get people to go through it. And I bet you like they're going to have a better yeah. experience in most cases yeah. they will. No, it'd be cool. It'd be very cool to learn. And yeah, I mean, to your point about learning twice, I think it was Einstein. He's like, hey, if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. So in that process of teaching, well, you're trying to understand it simply and do that. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a huge thing there. And then really kind of the final point I wanted to make is just kind of the collective wins too, right? Where, hey, if you're right. kind of slogging through learning a new thing, you know, there can be some tough times, but as a group, you're kind of being able to piggyback on each other. So one person does really cool or has a great client experience or whatever that is, that lifts the whole group, gets everyone excited and keeps that momentum going, right? Instead of, you know, if you do hit a roadblock yourself, you're not just kind of in the wilderness. You have this group to kind of help encourage you and help, you know, keep that positive feedback going. Right. Yeah, I could see that. Like, so what I see happens is that especially this is, you know, the CRM is part of your customer journey. It's a tool that helps manage the customer journey, but seeing other people's customer journeys. So if you're doing again, this in a small group setting, you're going to be like, oh, that's a good idea. Like, why do you do it in this order versus that order? And why do you like, there's so much value right. to seeing other people. I describe a customer journey, like, you know, it's like if you're a burger stand, it's a recipe to make your burgers. And then you got to buy the tools. It could be like in your case, you could have the grill, the grill or, and the yeah. other stuff. <laughs> but like looking at how other people do it is going to help you find micro improvements that you didn't consider. You're like, oh, I could do it that way or I could try this. And so I think yeah. it's a brilliant benefit of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Any last thoughts on this whole concept? No, I, I mean, I think those are the big ones. And yeah, I think just, you know, taking it, like you said, when you can see someone else, how they're, you know, 
building the burger, it's huge. Oh, you know, you put the pickles then the ketchup, right, or whatever. But why I do you know, do it that it, way? And it's like, oh, okay, and maybe you don't do it, but you yeah. still you can see there's more than one way to do it, too. Yeah, right? yeah. And then yeah. you know, continuing on the analogy, someone loves it like that. You know, the analogy in the CRM loves their burger that way. The analogy to the CRM would be saying, you know, someone does that. They, you know email the realtor at this time and the realtor emails back says, Hey, thanks so much for this, you know, heads up or this, you know, milestone update or whatever it might be. You can start saying, Oh, that was cool. I want my realtors to say that. Right. And then maybe even there's some competitiveness to it. Right. But you know, if it's kind of improving everybody, it's obviously all good things. Right. Yeah. yeah. So if you guys are listening to this and you want to, you know, get a grill for your burger stand, I know it's not the perfect <laughs> metaphor. I do like burgers. We're, so, we're so. sticking with it. Yeah. We're going to, yeah, we're going to go. It. This episode is brought to you by burgers. <laughs> Well, burgers. Uh, five guys, yeah. five guys, burgers and fries. It's actually, they have excellent burgers for a fast food joint. As yeah, a side yeah. note, but go to bluemortgage.ca, blue with no e, and Tom and his team can help you. And I would say also just ask Tom. Hey, man, is there a cohort or community based onboarding that we can do? Because there's that's my there's challenge. Eh? Yeah. By the time this podcast comes yeah. out, I yeah. Gotta, so I'm going to tell you guys to ask Tom for that, so that <laughs> yeah, Tom yeah. can say, "Sure, yeah, let's go, let's do it." Because I, yeah. I guarantee you, you're going to come up with stuff that you didn't consider and. There's going to be questions asked that you would have wished to ask that you didn't think of that will make the whole thing better than if it was just a one-to-one scenario. So, sure. Yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Bye for now. All right. Hopefully you got some takeaways from our conversation with Bethany and Tom today. If you're listening to this and you're a rookie and you're trying to figure out what to do with your mortgage business, go to rookie to rockstar.ca, uh, a webinar there that shows you exactly how we help rookies build successful mortgage businesses, rookie to rockstar.ca. Thanks again for listening to the show and I will see you on the next episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.